forgot about the way these niggas booming. Tapping on my screen, dog. Asking where Winston went. Called Dwayne and hit the stoop in politics about some movements. Cracking jokes about some little hoes we try and screw with. But I'm through with mice and bugs up in my kitchen chewing. Still the same today like back when I was a little truant. Skip the school and hit the park. Then burger spot on Hendrix. Link up later with Boy Boy and then back up on Linden. I'm wishing on that well water penny flipping that I could dip my cup and watch it run it over dripping. Nigga from the dirt ain't nothing I ain't seen a missing but the guala bread chicken make the water stretch. Chicken make it spread like. All that red light on the horizon that's too far for me to stretch like time, 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 time. We are back and we're back. And the most important thing I think to commemorate the most important thing that's happened since we've been out and since the last time we've recovered is that this week we are the boys with the shiniest podcast. Uh, <laughs> did you see that uh, Nixon Newell Tegan Knox is back? She made her return. Yeah, I was like beyond happy. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that me and you are like the two happiest people on earth that Nixon Newell's back is back in wrestling. But uh, yeah, that was that was great to see. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. We'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> you know, hopefully she's back for a while this time. Um, without too much. Uh... <laughs> you know issues moving forward but it has been a little while um since we recorded i don't know if you want to get into anything about why we've taken a break or we just took a little bit of a break uh, i mean i was i was in new york dealing with a death in the family so i that if you were wondering why we've been missing time that's why i was in new york for pretty much a week and after that i had to come back down and catch up on wrestling so i wasn't just going to come in here and blindly talk about shit i took my time to catch up on stuff and okay yeah i I, sorry i meant to ask you before we started recording i didn't know what you wanted to put out there either way oh no that's that's cool don't worry about it lots and lots of wrestling happened while we were out lots of g1 unfortunately we're i think snake bit we were enjoying it and we were going to be covering it and for the first time in a while i was excited to be covering the g1 rather than slogging through it and then this hiccup kind of happens and i don't think anybody wants to hear us because realistically if we did try to cover every night since the last thing that we were covering like 10 nights i think we would just rush through list our star ratings and at that point i think you have a public you know spreadsheet with your match listings on it i'll get this up on mine eventually so if people want to just see star ratings they can just go look at them they don't need to hear us rattle them off really quick just to get to them um but uh yeah a ton happened um one thing i guess that got overlooked that was going to be talked about on an episode when we were uh when we were recording was uh and this is obviously a huge deal callum black versus uh jordan devlin fantastic yeah. match uh, I I guess the main reason why I'm bringing it up is just I hate to to miss it to plug that you know those guys because we were gonna get into reviewing the match but I do want to say people should check it out great match at this point it feels like it's a, a forever ago so it's not really worth bringing up but, yeah, but it was like, also it was only it was only like two weeks ago too which is like fucking disgusting I know, <laughs> I know wrestling is crazy but it made me think listening to it number one I need to figure out the names of the ott commentators because they deserve the respect of that because they're actually they could be in the conversation for your best commentary team going right now in wrestling honestly comparatively they're really good um, it was um it's, it was like agnes o'malley or 
Agnes O'Nally, some, uh, something along those lines. Sorry if I'm getting his name wrong. Yeah. But I know his first name was Agnes for sure. And it used to be uh, Don Garnell. And I I don't think Don's doing it anymore. I know it's another, I know it's a different guy. But as far as I know, Don is actually getting his foot in the door doing English commentary for New Japan. Oh, nice. So, yeah. yeah. So um, Don and Agnes used to be like my favorite commentary commentary team going right. on the indies. And then Don went, went on for Greener Pastures, I guess. But... Yeah, Agnes and whoever he's doing, whoever he's doing commentary with now is a great team too. Yeah, OTT, great commentary teams. Like I said, definitely check it out. And then another thing, I hear, you know, I'll give a shout out for the for the the man of the weekend, Dylan Hales, um, talks a lot about you know beyond wrestling, GCW being the places, GCW really being the only place left that can really truly make indie level stars. I think OTT gets overlooked honestly for being a star making factory and quietly continues to do so as we see Callum Black. I mean, he's not the top of the tops yet. He's a pretty solid worker in ring, but you can feel that star power and you can feel that he's going to, the presence that he has and that he's going to be a guy who can command that kind of top of the card place relatively shortly. And this is not... More than than hype is uh, getting these high-profile bookings now. Yeah, more than hype getting around more. You know, we've talked about Scotty Davis, Jordan Devon, obviously, all over NXT UK. Um, But even historically, I mean, go further back than that, and you've got Osprey got over in OTT. I mean, to be fair, he was already starting to get over in a lot of places, but OTT was part of that too. And Pete Dunne, huge star. Ryan, I mean, like, he doesn't exist anymore, really, but Ryan Smile was, uh, right. if you remember him, was definitely an OTT product. So, yeah. if, if we were ever going to give, like, a newer uh, European indie credit for being a star maker, because I think now with Progress, like, no one really considers Progress to be a star maker anymore, but OTT might be the only one that's still giving you, like, okay, we're going to keep, pro- like, producing this fresh talent that goes out there and starts getting booked all over the scene. Even Session Moth. You know, as we're talking yeah. about, it, I didn't even think about it. Session Moth is an OTT product, you know? So it's, it's, I think that they get overlooked for being star makers. And these, these shows that they do, which is where the, the show, where the show was on with the Devlin versus Callum Black was on one of the contender shows, is a big part of why. Because they do student shows, but they treat them like they're still important. And they give these guys a chance to really, you know, feel, start to feel themselves in front of a really responsive, good crowd. And the commentary doesn't hurt because the commentary helps a lot to get these guys over, you know. So it's, yeah, it's crazy think... how like OTT like got that students undercard stuff perfect, like perfectly well done. They got a, a really great strategy for it, and then other places like your Rev Pros and your Progresses just never seem to quite get a grasp of how to make your smaller shows with your uh, not household name talent feel important yet and progress tried that so many times and constantly failed and started from scratch and um ended it before it could really get his get legs under it and rev pro the cockpit stuff was promising and then the cockpit stuff slowly went back to feeling like it didn't matter and ott consistently the contender stuff feels like it's must see yeah they're one of the only places who their you know b student shows don't feel like they're second string shows they feel like they're just as important and they have just as and that is part of it too is that they tell stories on those shows that connect to the bigger shows they 
Again, they make stars on those shows. And they when they have imports in for the weekend, they try to get them on the contender shows, mixing it up with students. So it makes it so those shows feel like an integral part of the company and not just a, a stuck on. And you mentioned progress, and we got to get into you know the happenings in progress really quick. But one of the big ones that I think, too, was Endeavor. I mean, Endeavor was starting to look like it was going somewhere. And I think that they cut the legs out of it by creating another sub-brand underneath it at the, as Endeavor was finally starting to get a little bit of traction when they started potential um which was you know the real dark show dark show that was like intentionally said it wasn't going to be put anywhere to stream and they were only dark shows but i do think that that diluted the brand at the time when endeavor was starting to get some traction and ever since then anything else they've tried yeah like the live under the dome shows just don't really matter whatever that freedom's road freedom's road that's the one i was thinking of that was like they they did it like three or four different times and they just quit every single time and I mean, speaking of quitting, we could yeah, talk, exactly. I guess we yes. could use that to like talk about um the latest happenings in progress. But like, it was always weird. They just like never stuck to it or gave anything a chance to develop. And like that's some, that's a thing we could say for a lot of for a lot a lot for um, progress in history. But um, speaking of someone quitting or quitting on something, uh, Jim Smallman, the face of the company, pretty much since his, since his inception, the voice has announced. Yeah, I mean, face, voice. Like, remember, yeah. like he's 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 always he's always in the ring. He's always greeting the crowd, doing his um opening monologue and everything. Like, it's I mean, it's a real a real Heyman a real Heyman esque figure for for progress. And he announced that after the next Manchester show, that was that will be his last progress show in any capacity. He will no longer be on screen. He will no longer be behind the scenes. I'm not sure if he's even owning any any stake in the company anymore he is completely done with progress yeah and and like that's that's a really big deal that's it's huge and one of the things that i think gets overlooked or maybe is you know uh like a uh, a casualty of history if people don't remember like you t- said the face i say the voice like he does do the ring announcing but he was the original commentator of progress and early on before progress was what it is now and it was just this weird little show that you could buy the vod's online the fact that it had this really quirky commentary being done by a guy who you know what was it, um jimmy barnett james barnett that was like yeah, a, jimmy barnett that was a play on um uh, you know James Barnett, uh, the classic kind of uh, wrestling personality, and was a throwback commentator. I mean, it's so funny to think, but like uh, the Lance Catamaran, John Cena on that, um, uh, whatever the fuck that Good Brothers. I think it's South Southpaw Regional. Yeah, wrestling. that that kind of concept and how that became like fun and funny, and everyone liked to joke, and and Festus was a big part of that. I mean, that's what he was doing. Jim Smallman was doing that kind of regional Southern wrestling commentator gimmick but you know from a british and it was a little bit of the world of sport thing too but it was a kind of hybrid of the thing and that quirkiness and that kind of fun stood out in a way that was like oh this is cool and he seemed really knowledgeable and really passionate and of the you know of the three mates as they as they have been you know called over the years the the three guys who are kind of behind starting progress um he was always i think the one who came across the best in public settings um even when, you know, he famously became the water boy and the biggest one of like switching from being so rah, 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 New Japan, New Japan, strong style, strong style to, you know, on his podcast at one point saying like, I haven't watched anything, any wrestling outside of WWE in like three years or something fucking insane like that. And talking about that the booking in WWE is better than anything else and all this. And, you know, we see where it got him. He's got a job with the WWE's buddy, buddy with them. And 
maybe it's smart to take off now i guess maybe it is political movements who knows if the other two guys are really meant for wrestling long haul i mean these are three guys who all had different careers they all put together a wrestling company for you know theoretically for fun because they were passionate about wrestling maybe jim smallman is ready to move into wrestling as a career and less as a hobby and this is kind of the step of that is is putting away childish things and focusing on the WWE job, which could probably not, use it. And not only that, it's, not only that, it's like we talk about the UK scene and like the like the sort of like drought is in at the moment. Let's let's consider like we don't I don't think these promoters are dumb when they sit here and leave or shut down promotions in the case of another company we're going to get to in a little bit. I don't think these promotions are dumb when they go around and look at the landscape of what is going on in the scene right now and like the realities of trying to run a show do you think do i really sit there and think that jim smallman is looking at this progress roster and what the what it could accomplish in the next year or so and thinks that there's anything meaningful thinks that they're going to advance the company in any way thinks that they're going to thinks that they're going to create these new this new talent or new stars and anything I, I i really think he looks at that and sees like okay this this is what happened this is what played out and it's best to move on now because there would there be nothing else to get out of sticking around in this thing other than you just have some sentimental attachment to it because realistically progress and any other company like they've, they've accomplished what they're going to accomplish wwe picked who they're going to pick whatever companies are part of wwe's um master plan rollout for the wwe network and are going to have their archives on the network that's already set in stone so what do you get out of still trying to, you know, force yourself to care about this company? And maybe I'm off base. Maybe it's like simplifying it too much, but that that's what I think or at least feels like happened here. Yeah. And and no, it's 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 probably the smartest move he can make. I mean, there's nothing but ill will right now. There's of course there's always the fervent few. There's the fan base who still really like progress and and you know those people are fucking insane. <laughs> they really are. It's 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 literally close to like the the levels of like TNA Asylum weirdness with some of the way that people are so obsessed with progress still. And I I get it. I guess you get tied up in something, you get you know connected to it. I've never been that kind of person. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's sentimental. It's, emo- it's an emotional thing. Like I like I get it. Like we've we've sat here and talked about how much like the European scenes were like collapsing on itself. Like hurt us. Granted, we didn't get like so wrapped up in an individual promotion. The only promotion where I've felt that way is Dragon Gate. But still, like I I get it. But yeah, like there's like there's no point in it. Right. There's literally zero point. And I guess what like what does that mean for Progress now? Like Progress is obviously like financially doing very well. They have the money to fly in fly in um whoever they want from all over the world whether it's the united states mexico canada south america and they've they've done everything they've done wembley alexander palace um like what what, uh, what what other places have they done uh wembley alexander, alexander palace o2 arena o2 arena like they've, they've done everything so yeah. now i'm sitting here thinking what does this mean for progress's long-term existence because we already saw one owner back out i'm not sure how committed john briley is to wrestling glenn joseph has always had his hands in other pots and uh seemed like other things always uh got interest from him long term 
what do we see happening to Progress? Because effectively, like, NXT UK is taking over everything that Progress used to do or used to be about. Like, shit, they have... They share two of the same champions. Walter and the Grizzle Young Vets are the main champs on NXT UK. They're also the main champs on, the, on Progress now. They share so much now that at what point does Progress become too redundant to even like to even make an effort for right and and what i was kind of getting into there is just, this is the smart move i mean everyone's complaining about both products really in different ways and maybe it is time to step back and focus on one and and you're talking about it i mean what's the future wwe nxt uk as much as it kind of sucks like vince is not going to put you know not even vince paul whoever they're not going to put as much into something that's progress brand even if they buy it we've seen this historically even if they own the name the rights everything they're never going to present something that is seen as an outside brand that came in the same as something that's their own brand at uk so you know focus in on that make that kind of the goal and then see if you can make something of it because it, it's been abysmal and I don't know if it's because they're trying to run these splinter factions, two companies at the same time, and it's making it really difficult. I can't imagine that it helps, but I don't know if this is going to be the shot in the arm that really helps at this point. I don't think that NXT UK is honestly long for this world, but you know, you said that they share so many champions, but that's one thing that might change this weekend, right? Is, uh, is Walter not defending the, um, the NXT UK championship on takeover this weekend? Um. Or is he no, 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 no. That's um, that's uh, the end, of, the end of the month or next month. Okay. That is um, when they're doing the NXT UK takeover. Ah. So that that's him. That's gonna be Walter versus Tyler Bate. He is defending it this weekend though in the Progress and Smash joint shows against Paul Robinson. But he's not gonna lose to Paul Robinson. Not in Canada, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, at least for a little bit, like the most likely to lose would be the Grizzle Young Vets. But yeah, like it's you, you, you watch one, you're watching the other essentially. Right. Right, and and basically everyone's complaining about both. So just kind of try to cut it off. Maybe save some of the bleeding, some, stop some of the hemorrhaging, and uh, move forward. But I feel like I have to take that uh, that um, kind of chance for this transition because you said it. You know, you said. You know, Walter's not going to lose the championship in Canada to Paul Robinson, but a European champion who did lose um, in Canada just recently. I'll do a spoiler alert for anybody that cares, but there's some big time shows going on this weekend, one of which was WXW's Ambition and uh, a huge upset with uh, the first round, Daniel Makabe beating Bobby Guns. That was kind of crazy, right? That is insane. I mean, like... And I and I and I, I I get why like they wanted they wanted to get to Thatcher versus Makabe somehow. I like uh, uh, like that was that's the big match. That's something that Tim might have even pushed for, or something that they might have seen happen on the three two one shows and think like, oh well, we, we we want a piece of that too. Whatever it was, they were trying to get to Thatcher Thatcher versus Makabe, but still like you could have got there to any give other Dan, way <laughs> yeah to give Dan a win for Bobby Guns like, his first match officially within the company in the company he beats the champion <laughs> in a shoot style you know setting but still and, and granted like and granted like ambition isn't treated like as like canon for the most part but but still like that's it means that's wild right am I am I crazy like it's you don't do something like that with someone then just never bring them back you know what I mean no 
Yeah, yeah, like Dan Dan has to be coming back because yes, you wanted to get to the fashion match, but you don't beat Bobby Guns, right? Like, right. So Dan, like Dan, has to be coming back. But I saw that pop up on my timeline, and that was insane. Like Dan has this has had this like really weird stretch over the last yes. over the last week or so, where oh yeah, Dan's an SCI. Spo- spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't been keeping up with it. Oh yeah, Dan wins SCI. Holy shit, that's really weird. Yeah. Uh. Next thing, Dan Dan is facing Shima and OWE yeah. on the Canada shows. Uh, facing Shima, I Dan didn't Dan fuck? didn't even know about it. Dan didn't even know about it. They're just like, yo, this has to be the weirdest stretch I can remember for any in the, any independent wrestler. This is this has been strange. Yeah, and I mean, after having what a lot of people saying career year wrestler of the year last year for Dan. And then he starts out this year kind of slow. I think a lot of people would say that. Like, there's some good stuff in there for sure, but just not the volume. And then boom, summer hits, and it's just like Gresham, you know, uh, SCI, Shima. No, now. No, no, beats a Bobby third, Guns. A third Thatcher match. Yes, third Thatcher match. I mean, it just keeps, you know. So very interesting to see where this is moving forward with the way wrestling is going we talked about it before you know who's who's the next who's stepping up who's going on everything's fucking insane smash wrestling running shows with owe this weekend wxw running ambition in in canada i mean yeah what else is big going on this weekend there's a ton of stuff it's um i don't i'm not sure if i like the direction this is going in because this is pretty much setting it up for to be to be another WrestleMania weekend, and I'm not sure we need any more of those. WrestleMania right. weekend is already overstated. It's welcome, at least personally for me. I've lost my interest in it, and I think a lot of a lot of people just wind up going to sh- wind up doing shows in the WrestleMania area just because and not get anything out of it. So I don't want another thing like that to happen with another WWE pay per view, but. It really is like a, a jam pack. Uh, WXW happened so far, and you're gonna get another like at least two more shows from each from each of those things going on. And what uh, I think the ROH, yeah, ROH is ROH is running a summer supercard there. Alex Shelley versus Matt Saban for the world title. Not sure how into that you are, but um, yeah, yeah, Shelley. Yeah, we got Shelly versus Saban there. Um, we got, yeah, and I think we got takeover good, I mean, with um, the three stage I'll three stages of hell between Gargano and Adam Cole, and we have SummerSlam, which is looking up to be a very strange show. So, it's it's a lot going on. I'm not sure if it's a lot. It's a lot of yeah. good, but there's definitely a lot going on this week. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it kind of, in some ways, I get what you're saying, that you don't want it to turn into oh, another oh, WrestleMania. Oh, this is even nice talking about the last three right now because it feels like it's capturing some of the stuff that was what made the WrestleMania weekends pop initially and made them... Oh, yeah, I mean, shit. <laughs> and there's even more, you know? There's more G1 coming. There's more even on top of this. There's mm. just... It's we're kind of inundated with with everything, but it is nice to see something kind of toned back. It's interesting because it feels a little bit like proxy wars, you know, OWE 
running shows, WXW running shows. These are the satellite promotions for, you know, WWE and AEW. AEW's TV show coming up, obviously, that's, you know, sells out as quickly as possible, even though it took, like, I'm hearing, like, what, like, four minutes, five minutes, but that's because of the way that the tickets were staggered in the release. I don't know if you heard anything about that. Um, but this is fucking weird, especially because I think people still are still like, don't call it a boom period. It's not a boom period. I don't know what you call it then. Like what's happening in wrestling right now is insane. And it's not like everyone's losing their Mm. ass. You know, there's a few companies that are closing down for the third or fourth time. Um, but you know, so with all, a lot so of these with all companies that being are said, I know that you. So I'm gonna say you, you pride yourself like, on having how sort of like unique taste exactly? or something, but with everything that's going on this weekend, everything that you know that's going down, or um, has gone down this week or will be going down, what is your prediction for something that will might wind up being your favorite match of the weekend once all the dust settles down? Do you have a do you, do you have a match that's uh, sticking out to you currently? Oh jeez. I mean I don't know. I mean there's a mm. lot of stuff that looks really good. Um Speedball Mike Bailey. Oh, fuck, I'm trying to remember who he's going up against. Um Oh, he's going up against Zhao Ling from uh, OWE. Um I'm interested to see how that goes cuz Speedball is really fucking good, you know, and and Zhao has like a really interesting, you know, skill set. So if Speedball can harness that properly, I think that we could end up with something that really could stand out there. Obviously, Makabe versus Thatcher. Once you eventually see that, there's going to be conversation about that. Walter versus Thatcher, you know, um, double spoiler there. Just the whole ambition kind of thing. Obviously, mm. ambition is, you know show that i always end up loving so there's a good chance of that but how does anything really even compete with a match that already happened in you know shingo versus ishii you know what i mean like that match could end up being the match of the week with how good that was um and that's not even the best shingo match of the week that's just the one that's the closest to the weekend you know what i mean like uh i almost don't want to count matches that happened any earlier in the week um so yeah i mean there's so much going on and then we've got what i'm trying to think of what shingo's last match is here in the g1 uh coming up um but obviously he's been just amazing (laughs) like really in this g1 um i think we were having some conversations about this back and forth he's got goto which is i mean after the match he had with ishii i could see him still continuing to have a phenomenal match with goto like you know um we've been having kind of conversations and I think early on, I think me and you both agreed that Moxley was kind of standing out. Jay white was standing out. There was a lot of mix up toss up, but I think for me personally, I think Shingo is probably hands down the MVP so far. Um, just because the varied kind of opponents, the level of quality of opponents, and then the, the overall quality of his matches every time. Um, I can definitely see, why someone would have someone like Tanahashi even still in the conversation for MVP of the tournament, just with the level of like carry jobs. I mean, the Fale match was superb. I could not believe how good he did with everything in the Fale match, honestly. Um, and then Okada is just, you know, lights out as well. 
So, the I mean, it's hard to argue with everything going on. The G1 could still somehow, after years of really feeling kind of like in the doldrums a little bit, um, it could feel like the G1 could end up being taking the cake as the best <laughs> wrestling again. Um, it's kind of surprising to think how that happened when... Uh, for Kenny me, like I, I think for me, this is probably like the, the most fun I've had following the G1 top to Kenny bottom the last couple again. of years. Um, as a slight and troll. if I had to go, um, but MVP, no, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? What what stands boring, out for you? Chalk pick, but I, it's Okada for me. It's Okada. Um, honestly, when people like say like Ishii is the G1 MVP, it feels like people are just like programmed to say it because I just don't, I just, I just don't see it with Ishii this year. I think he's been good, but I think other people have just stood out way more. So for me, I'd probably wind up going Okada. And before that, I was leaning towards more like Jay White, Shingo, Mox, even like Abushi for people that were in that running for me. But the last couple of nights where Okada faced Sonata and Evil back to back. And look, you you already know my thoughts on Evil and Sonata. And I thought he got great great matches out of both of them on the on the last two nights of the G one. Like the Sonata match was really I so I will say I like their twenty eighteen match a way more than like the previous two matches they had in twenty nineteen. And this match was definitely more in the vein of their twenty eighteen match. And the crowd was just so molten for it as they're just getting closer and closer to this time limit. And you know the story, like, Sonata just gets closer and closer to beating Okada, and the crowd feels it, they're into it, Sonata's over like a motherfucker, and even if I don't get it, even if I don't understand it, it rubs off on you. The atmosphere, the feeling, it just rubs off on you, and when Sonata finally beats Okada, it feels like a genuine big moment. And... I like to think I can remain objective when I watch my when I watch my wrestling and objectively speaking there's like there's no way to to deny that match or that moment. He had like like everyone thinks of okay, he's not going to have you know, like Fale right. is like the ultimate. No, that's I mean. All right, people aren't gonna have a good match with him, kind of thing. Can't argue. And Tanahashi did a really had a really good match with there. him. I thought Okada. Uh, like I said not for me. Even if Fale, but, uh, even if Fale wasn't I great in it, I thought Okada sold his ass off so. of Fale in their match in Corken Hall, and I th- and I thought that rocked. So if I go down the list of everybody in the block, I think I thought he had a really good match with every single person in the block. He did. And I can't, I can't, I, I can't say that for. I, I can't say that for anybody else. I can't say that for anybody else in the block. And again, there's some heavy hitters in there. There's some perennially great wrestlers, people that are great volume guys, your Tanahashi's, Abushis, and Ospreys, all in there. Yeah. And even them, I can't say that they had a great match with with someone the entire time. And he still has Abushi left. So in a, in a couple minutes, we're gonna get down into the, into the last three three nights of G one, but. To sit here and do all of that and still have a Bushi left on your plate, like that's incredible to me. And I thought he was the G1 MVP back in 2017 too. So for Okada, he's a guy where early on in his career, I thought he would be in the G1s and he would just sort of bleed into it and he wouldn't stand out. And the last few years, I feel like he's consistently been one of the very best guys in G1. 
He's in, in, and that's a good point because he's impressive in that upper echelon, you know, the big four, big five New Japan hopefuls, in that he constantly has matches where he puts in a lot of effort and works hard. And we, it's not quite like that anymore with the kind of tried and true New Japan, been in tons of G1 guys, top of the card guys. They don't put this much effort in every night like he does. That, you know, and that's not to hate on someone like Tanahashi who you can see has nights where he doesn't put in as much effort physically because he always is there mentally and he works really hard for the psychology of the matches. But Okada puts it all together pretty much every night. And you got Naito who really takes it off, you know, for the most part. So it's like pretty, pretty easy. But um, I forgot as you were talking about everything, I completely looked over all the big matches that are happening in LA this weekend. So I got to give a shout out for Southern California, LA really quick. Um, before we move into G1 for sure, because we're talking about stuff that's happening that's good. GCW's running their Escape from LA show this weekend. Possible match of the weekend again on there with Masato Tanaka versus Tony Depp. You know what I mean? That could be nuts. That's, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And then, um, oh God, I can't, you know, Suburban, I can't think of the name of it. Suburban something, but they run shows with no wrestling ring, whatever. But a friend of mine, Tuna, is wrestling Chris Statlander. And I think that there's a chance that that match could actually impress people if the footage makes it out. Tuna uh, had the match with Priscilla Kelly in the, you know, suburban, whatever, suburban violence or whatever the fuck it's called, um, with the the tampon spot that went viral online. And I think this is another chance where if it gets out there, I think that there's a chance that people could be impressed and surprised. And with the way wrestling is going right now, Tuna, like I said, she's a friend of mine. She's got great personality. She really brings it and she does some cool stuff and she's got a really awesome kind of aura and presence to her in her matches. So I think that she's someone who if people started seeing stuff from her, unfortunately they don't at this point, really nobody really sees much from her. Um, I think that she could break out too and she's wrestling against the perfect person who's got a lot of buzz in Chris Statlander. So so yeah, I gotta give gotta give a shout out to Southern California and then the West Coast in general, 3-2-1 battle, having the 3-2-1 battle versus the world um, this weekend. And probably the match on there so far that seems like it could be the one that ends up stealing the show. Obviously, I feel bad for our boy Sonico because <laughs> he's got to wrestle Tony Kazina. Mm-hmm. So he's a little bit behind the eight ball on trying to pull something out. Kazina, though, from what I've heard, is still in pretty good shape. He, he trains at, at Fale's school. He's one of the trainers. So maybe he's going to surprise us. I don't know. But I think Steve West versus Flip Kendrick could actually probably be pretty awesome steve west is coming off of the awesome match with sue young at the last three to one battle show um and flip kendrick totally different style of wrestler but another guy who can go just as nutty in his in his way so that's another one i think that people should go out of their way to check out but uh i mean so you want to talk about the the last couple nights of the g1 that's a that's that's your plan here quentin (laughs) uh yeah, unless there's anything you want to talk about, like we we gave our MVPs, but uh, no, no, anybody that, anybody that really impressed you or anything, like for me, I know we've been beating beating the Jay White drum, but yeah. you know, up up until the up until these last few nights, Jay White still being really fucking good throughout the entire tournament, I think. Definitely put he's another one putting it together with the character stuff, the mix, um, can still go, but he's toned down his finishing stretches too. Like yes. it's a lot of bullshit and chicanery. And I and I think that's because they're they're gonna he, he's gonna go all out for that Naito match, and then I think he's gonna be in the final. So probably the final two I think is where he's saving like all his like crazy like in ring sequences, and they've been getting around that stuff by doing some of the bullshit. But yeah, from the beginning of the tour to right now, 
Jay White has still been really good in almost every match, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you. I, uh... He's been fantastic. He's really put it together. The guy that people were kind of shaky about what's going on with this character. I think he's really, you talked about it. He's toning down the stuff in the finishing stretches. And I think it's good. He's finding the right mix of the character and the work and playing to the crowd. I think adding Gato, I thought about adding Gato to the act really, I think helped in a lot of ways to legitimize him um, and helped really set it up. So you're, you're predicting white on one side of the final and then the other side are you going abushi or or okada i'm, I'm going abushi i'm going abushi yeah. okay so an abushi white final not something i would have 100 percent predicted coming in it doesn't seem insane but it seems fresh so it's actually very very fresh yeah so it's actually probably a really good move to go with especially because i don't know i think white is really clicking great right now but i don't know how long he really stays heel. So this is a match that you can do now. And then maybe if white goes babyface relatively soon, you don't have to worry about that. You're burning a big time matchup. So I could definitely see, like I said, it feels fresh. It feels like two guys who haven't been the perennial in the G one constantly in the G one top mix constantly, uh, haven't had a ton of matchups against each other. So definitely a solid final. I think, um, I wonder is the is show that, is, that, is, that, is that is that what you're going with? I I think that that makes the most sense. I haven't looked at the exact point standings to realize who's still alive on the B block right, side. So, so I can tell you, um, Moxley, Naito, White, and oh God, I'm fucking forgetting the results from uh this morning. But uh, I think I think Goto I think Goto won earlier. Yeah, Godo did Godo won beat, beat Moxley. Yes, yeah. So Godo's in contention. So I think the people in contention are Naito, Jay, Godo, and Moxley. Okay, and I was pretty high on Moxley up until the losing streak that he's gone on the last couple nights because I think if you're building up into a final, especially because I don't think that there's any chance that he wins. You know what I mean? Um. I don't think that you want him to be on a losing streak to then go into the final and lose. I think you want to, you'd be wanting to heat him up now, going into the and final. Even with the way, even with the way he's lost, though, it's Goto was his first clean loss. Right. Before that, he lost to Yano. Before that, he lost to Jay through nefarious means. The the Goto win was actually a legit shock to the audience in the crowd. They were like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah, he actually beat he actually beat Moxley clean, and. So even with the losing streak, they've done a very good job like protecting him. Yeah, he's still protected. I just think it wouldn't be the the number one way to 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 move him forward. And I think it's pretty obvious that he loses to Jay White now, um, to kind of set up that the title match between them two. So Moxley, oh, Juice. Yeah. So really, oh yeah, yeah, it's a Juice. Who did I say? You said Jay. <laughs> Sorry, no, yeah, it's a Juice. He's gonna lose to Juice and then set up get, putting the title back to Juice. Um. I really think you come down to Naito, Jay White. I think they could do Goto final again against Ibushi, but I think that that would just be, that would feel like such a fucking waste. And I think that that would be really, really stale and lame. But New Japan does stuff like that. I mean, they did that final that was Goto and, and Omega, you know? So. so so like my prediction at first is um until Shingo wound up beating Ishii this morning is that I thought Shingo was going was gonna to play spoiler for Goto. That's what that's what I was predicting there, but okay. Shingo still kind of has to beat Goto 
because Goto has a tie, has a tiebreaker over Jay and Naito and Naito beat Goto. So if Goto wins, only but it's, it's either going to be Naito or Goto that go to the finals. So Goto still has to lose. Yeah. So I think yeah, Shing, I think Shingo gets that tiebreaker. I think you kind of want the final, not the final match, but the final block match to be between people who kind of make their own destiny rather than a, a kind of a, a skip yeah. of, of spoilers. So I think that the Jay White Naito match is the 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 winner is the winner. And I think I think you go with Jay White. I think you talked me into it a lot there because the Ibushi Jay White final, like I said, sounds really fresh. It doesn't feel like a matchup you've seen a ton of times. It and it's guys that you haven't seen a ton in these positions. It feels like you're gonna get something at Wrestle Kingdom that'll be worthwhile. Um, so yeah, I mean, and you know, you can look at it and say whoever wins is kind of interesting moving forward. So, so I, I, have, a, I have a question for you though. Okada only losing one match so far, going going into this uh, last block night versus Abushi. How sure are you that Okada doesn't win the block? They could do it, but then he's what been do, booked really strong. Then what do you do though? No, do you have the, Okada the th- win the whole thing? Well, here's why it's weird: is because now they have these two dome shows going like in January. Right. So they could afford to do something weird now more than ha- than more than they have been in the previous years. So I'm 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 not even sure this that's the likely scenario. But Okada winning the G1 wouldn't be totally out of left field to me because he's been booked so strongly, and because it just why not? Because they they have so much leeway with these two dumb shows. Right. Um. But then here, but then the problem is, Sonata is the only person that beat Okada in the G One, right? And so if they, Okada wins, we just <laughs> we want to get Okada versus Sonata at the Dome, right? And um, I really hope I just I didn't speak that evil into existence. Ugh. But um, well, you mentioned doing something weird, and the first thing that popped into my head is like, what if Okada wins it? And then says that he wants to defend the title against Liger in his retirement match. Like that would be really fucking weird. <laughs> if you want to talk that would about be really, that would be really weird. Weird. Um, and Okada, Okada, Okada did have Tenru's retirement match. Yeah, so it wouldn't be insane. I don't think it's likely. <laughs> but you know, if you're going to talk about doing something weird, because everyone's kind of talking about what are they going to do with Liger that should be something important, and I think. That's, that everyone's been talking about Minoru Suzuki versus Liger being Liger's right. last match. Shit, man, you—that's a good. That's a, honestly a pretty good point. Yeah, I could see doing if you're gonna do something weird like that. I could see doing something like that weird, but you know, then it it throws a lot of you know you you know too like everyone keeps saying like that Okada versus Naito was still the money match, and I'm not I'm, and I'm not even sure that it isn't anymore. Right, but. Man, Okada versus Liger and Liger's retirement match would draw an insane crowd. Yeah, I think the crowd would go nuts because Okada is the guy right now and Liger is the, you know, historical thing. It's like, if you're going to do the the retirement match, have him go out against the best, right? You would think. Like, that's how you draw the most attention. People are the most excited about it. Mm. I don't think it's likely, but 
I think it would be probably pretty cool, and I think it could draw pretty big. But then it is, it does make everything weird because what do you do? Everything else, do you do the first dome that that with that, and then the second dome Okada defends again against somebody else? You know what I mean? Could you do something like that? Um, it might not. That might not be insane. Like have somebody else come out or do not even not on the fly, but just set something up where he has a, another, mm. you know, defense the next night or, or the title will be defended the next night against whoever, you know what I mean? Mm. All right. So gun to your head. Who's the winner of the G one coming out of this weekend? Kota Ibushi. And it sucks because it, after years of feeling like it's like Kota could be the guy and the standout and just amazing. He's really, he hasn't been bad, but he's really been upper middle of the pack in this G1. Really? He hasn't, so many... he hasn't having like the incredible G1s like he's been having the last couple of years. Yeah. And it and sucks. It, it, it stands out when there's guys like, again, like Shingo, Okada, Jay White, Osprey that are like, feel like they're knocking it out of the park every night. Right. And it, it, it feels like, is this what would have happened if they had went with Shibata at some point after all the years of people talking about it, you know, um, like that it ends up just being a disappointment because you're so caught up in it. And it, it kind of even makes me think of the Naito, the first Naito G1 win where, you know, the fans voted for him not to be in the main event and all that kind of stuff. It's like, could the crowd kind of turn on an Abushi G1 win because he doesn't, feel like he earned it this year unfortunately you, you know who like and it's so strange to say this but you know that who like if i think about just one based off like crowd reactions and all that you know who feels like they should be winning g1 is sonata kind of yeah and, yeah like if you just go by, based off crowd reactions and like crowd heat during matches you would think that sonata should be winning g1 it's got me to the point where shit, man, like, obje- again, objectively speaking, because I'm not a Sonata fan, but I'm not sure if you go into next year's G1 that Sonata shouldn't be the guy to win. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, if it like like like, it, like like at least New Japan, like at least New Japan Cup, but like, I'm not sure that Sonata shouldn't be the guy to win the G1 if we're doing like extremely early predictions for next year. Yeah, but will it be the time next year that's the thing it's 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 feeling i'm talking about it with abushi and then sonata now it's like they're pulling the trigger too late should sonata be winning right now you know what i mean rather than Hmm. next year and and it felt like new japan was able to kind of get away with this for a long time where the kind of the build and the anticipation was good but it almost feels like it's it's not working the same way it used to where when you finally go with the guy it it works like it feels like they kind of need to start pulling the trigger a little bit faster on people um because i don't know there's like i don't know maybe it's because there's kind of feels like a bit of a treadmill at times in new japan and almost to the same point as like wwe where you're starting to like people are getting devalued and seen in a certain light because they've been around for so long um that they're not you can't just instantly heat them up the same just by having them run through the g1 but you know but you know what it is is like it's not even like a treadmill. It's that they have so many people getting hot at the same time right. that it's hard to manage. Like I can't sit here and act like I think Kota Ibushi isn't over. 
Kota Bushi's still over as fuck, but at the same time, like, Sonata is sitting here getting over as fuck. Jay White is still really over as a heel. Naito is Naito. Shingo is extremely over. Osprey is extremely over. Evil is still right there to, fl- to flip that switch on. In Even just more- a couple, uh, like a decade or two ago, you know who would make fucking sense to win this G1? Lance Archer. Honestly. Yeah. He could be the big time monster that you build to the title match at the Dome that could draw a house. But because that's not the way wrestling really works, especially not in New Japan anymore, you know, that's not what you're going to deliver. But it wouldn't be crazy just a few years ago to to have that be. And he kind of has that feel. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that are like coming together in different ways all right now to where it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing because nobody is able to really feel like the focus. Mm. Uh, it's it's such a weird new, time in New Japan just because like we've always credited like New Japan's like star making machine and I still think they have like the only like other than GCW like they they have the only real star making machine out there where whatever you can say about them they snap their fingers and they have someone else that's like molten hot over and right now it just feels like now they have too many people that are over because now it's like what do you do with them and I, and I guess and, and I guess it's sort of a weird like weird problem to have because well I guess the easy answer is now that makes all your other divisions and other titles that much more important because if Will Ospreay and Shingo are so fucking over imagine putting them in the dome match for the junior title people but we we talk about all this stuff like never title and moving them up but putting those two guys who are firing on all cylinders right now in a rematch at the dome that be that could be one of the hottest hottest matches of the night so. Right really maybe we're thinking too too much about it and what how they see it is like shit like now now we're in an even better position because we can put we can put on these cards and everybody there is over and the crowd's gonna be into every single thing right yeah i mean that's that's something that they could do but that would take focusing on the other divisions which they historically just don't really do so it just um it would be interesting. It would be probably pretty helpful for them. But, you know, I just brought him up and then now I'm thinking about him because of that, because of this concept. It's like, what do you do with Archer now? Like, if you put him back, honestly, he feels really hot as a big time monster in singles. If you just stick him back into like a tag team and have him go up against Sonata and Evil with whoever as a random partner, then I'm like thinking like, what unit is Archer in? Is he still technically in Suzuki Goon? Like, yeah. what the, so like you could like you like, I wouldn't be mad if you ran like Archer versus Okada or like Archer versus Naito as like a destruction tour man. Right. Because Archer yeah. has done that well. He's, yeah, he's at that level now where I think that he could be basically the new version of Fale from a couple years ago when Fale was, but like so much better than Fale really, but he's got that legitimate legitimacy with his size and everything that it's, it would suck if he just falls back into nothingness in the middle because he doesn't have the focus. And because you just, because now we got to see it more on display that when he was allowed to kind of have a string of singles matches and, and some focus on him and feel like he's important, that he can stand out. And there's a, there's a ton of guys, honestly. Like Saber, Saber has had a bunch of good matches here. Like he, and he continues to have good matches in New Japan, but he's a guy who after this is going to fall into the background and not really do much with him. And it is weird because you're talking about that and it feels like everybody, there's a lot of people who are buzzing and a lot of people are hot and it's good and it could be spread out and mean something. But it does feel like part of it too, it's like there's a, there's the same thing happening really Some in some ways at the top, like the main star power of the company with Okada really feeling like the guy. But I think that 
having Tanahashi around does kind of zap a little bit of that from him because mm. Okada can't feel like 100% the flag wave standard bearer of New Japan when you still have Tanahashi around being as good as he is. You know, mm. and that's been true for a while, but it feels like it's exacerbated right now where everybody else is so kind of log jammed as well in the like the slightly underneath him main event kind of tier people. So New Japan does have like a weird kind of log jam when it comes to overness and, and where people are at and what they're gonna be doing. And and you talked about Sonata in the G one, but fuck he's what he's coming off of a like a over a year long run in the tag team with Evil that was just I mean, it's been horseshit. Like, why is he so over? Why did the crowd care when his booking has been so bad for so long? It's it's very interesting the way New, New Japan's, like, I don't know, cr- like, crowds, the way they react to people, the way that just giving these fans something, they eat it up. You know, they don't really they don't really seem to get too beaten down the same way that I think Western fans do from, from this stuff. So maybe they can get away with doing Sonata winning next year. Um and he'll be just as over. We'll see what happens. Maybe Ibushi wins here and the crowd goes crazy. We, You rarely see the New Japan crowd reject stuff. You know, they seem to really be pretty gung-ho on everything. And I can't blame them because they're, they're given what they expect. They're not... New Japan doesn't really disappoint. You know, you can have your, your opinions on it and think how you feel about how good this stuff is or you know the booking or the work rate or whatever it is but i think that if you're a new japan fan and you know what you're signing up for they give it to you they deliver pretty much every time you know so that does kind of speak to why the crowd is so forgiving and so kind of into everything and have a lot of goodwill towards the acts and kind of go with the way that the booking is supposed to go you know all right so before we move on i guess if i had to give my g1 winner when I did my pick em for post-wrestling, I'm pretty sure I said Kota Ibushi. And I think I'm going to go Jay White now. Okay. I th- yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go all the way with Jay White being the winner. It makes more sense. And them running Jay White versus Okada at the dome. I th- yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. That makes a lot more sense because you do have Okada as the champion. So you would you would expect that the winner would be a heel, right? Mm. Um, I still, like I said, I think I'm going to Bushi. It feels like it's the time uh, for him in a lot of ways, and maybe they'll they'll move the chant, they'll move the title before the dome. All right. Um, so before we get out of here, the entire Bola li- Bola lineup is uh is out now. And Tim PWG regular, are you going <laughs> to be making Former. any appearances for Bola? Um, I would like to. There's definitely some names that are intriguing on this show. There's definitely some matchups. We'll see how the cards look for the past three or four years. It seems that the night two is always the better night. So we'll uh, we'll see how they look this year. Um, I mean, I really, I kind of honestly really wish I could go to the GCW show this weekend. Um, but unfortunately, I am going to be watching my niece that evening so i'm not going to be able to because uh, i didn't really even think about it until just now like that it's coming up so quickly and how good it is and then i realized i can't go um but bola i mean got mick moretti who i'm really excited for after you know him being there just as a kind of not working the show just there sakamoto gets announced um pretty big time stuff to get a chance to see him right 
Um, yeah, let's let's run through the entire field here because yeah, yeah. I I don't know if it's just me. Uh, I'll throw it to you, but this is the most interested I've been in Ebola in a long time. This is a wild field, and I I honestly love it. What do you think? Yeah, I I you know obviously it's not perfect. There's some people who I would prefer to not be there. But, yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, but it's but it's interesting. Like it's the most interesting field we've gotten in a long time. But definitely interesting. Definitely a lot of people. It kind of reminds me of the year that was all kind of UK and lucha, where it's like a lot of people who have yeah, not, the, 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 those 2014, 2015 years. Yeah, where it's like people who just have not wrestled each other before are gonna. There's no way that they can't because there's just so many random people who don't interact with each other now in the same tournament and that that's where this is at and that's kind of impressive in 2019 because everyone works everywhere you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and the, the the names go all over the place so to actually get cavanario black taurus who's starting to get out places but still really has a lot of fresh matchups in this tournament you know what i mean um, yeah so um let's go through this we got uh ray horus tony deppin a kid laredo kid Artemis Spencer, Phoenix, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, David Starr, Jungle Boy, Brody King, Caveman Ugg, Jeff Cobb, Jake Atlas, Bandito, Black Taurus, Lucky Kid, Jonathan Gresham, Mick Moretti, Darby Allen, Pentagon Jr., Dragon Lee, Daisuke Sakimoto, and Barbara Cavernario. What a lineup. Like, that is yeah. some... That's, like some uh some like wrestling like like simulator shit like going <laughs> right. go, going and like finding all these cars and just making this random tournament this is really that insane um i i have to say like the name i'm most excited to see here is, is artemis spencer but shit man carvenario carvenario's here here sakimoto I'm really intrigued by how Black Taurus is going to get over in that, in that audience because I think he is one of those guys where you put him anywhere and he gets over. Same thing with Laredo yeah. Kid, but Laredo Kid's been over there. I think he's been over there a couple of times. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, but I think Laredo Kid, we talked about him before, someone that just gets over everywhere. But, yeah, this is such an insane field. And we don't got to go too in-depth on it, but looking at every everyone that's in this field – what are you what are you picking um I'll ask, I'll ask you two questions before we get out of here who was your pick to be the breakout star of the tournament and who are you picking to win it damn um breakout star I think Artie mm. um maybe Ugg honestly also could be one or the other um could be the, the guys who stand out but I do think I think that I think PWG is ready right now for like a this is gonna sound weird but like a new thatcher and i think the closest thing you could get to something like that would be Artie. um i think gresham obviously is very talented but he lacks a certain physical presence and charisma that i think that artemis spencer has um and i do think that there's a chance that he ends up having a really killer weekend with just a lot of great matches um but also i mean last year Jeff Cobb looked fucking amazing. And then since he's gotten the championship, he hasn't, not that he's been bad, but he hasn't really had a chance. I think that Jeff Cobb could somehow as the champion, be the breakout of the tournament somehow. You know what mm. I mean? Just cause he's done a couple 
tournaments where he's made it to the finals. Um, and he always, when he does that, it really is impressive with his size and his stamina to be able to go through all of those big matches. Um, so I think he could do, he could run, he could make his way to the finals again, I think, and be a breakout. Um, so there is the possibility of that. Uh, I'm, what was the other, did, what was there another question that you were asking? Who are you, who would you pick to win it? Oh, pick to win it. Um, that's an interesting one because there's I see, a lot I see, of people, I see a lot of people going Bandito. I could see Bandito winning it. Um, I could see David Starr winning it. Hmm. I could also see Jake Atlas winning it. As weird as that, that seems like it could be kind of out of nowhere. But I think, I think that they might go for something a little bit more shocking like that. But we'll have to see. I mean, that's a, it's a really weird one to think about who's going to win this one because I think for the past couple of years, you've really felt like there was a favorite. And this lineup, I don't, I really don't see a single favorite, mm. you know, at all, honestly. This, this, so it's, many... why, it's, it's why it's such an interesting field. Like, right. you look at this thing and it's like a whole bunch of people that are like currently popular, but they're not like among the tippy top, like elite guys on the scene right now. There's people that are, that are like starting to get that buzz under them, but they're not household names yet. It's it's a real it's a really weird field. And looking at it, okay. So for breakout star, I think I'm, I'm gonna go either Artie or I'm gonna go Black Taurus. I think I think both of those guys, like it'll, it'll take one match, and they'll be over as fuck. I think I think. It's it'll, it would be as quick as a snap of a snap of the fingers with those guys. Winner, I'm gonna play it safe and I'm gonna go with some PWG regulars here, even though this would be the perfect time to not go with a regular. So I'm gonna go either Brody King or Bandito here. David Starr and Gresham have been a little bit more regular on PWG shows lately, but to be a little safe, I'm, I'm gonna go Brody. Or Bandito. Yeah. That's, I mean, those were two people that I thought about as picks for winning it. I think that they both make sense. Um, I think it's probably pretty likely that we end up with some kind of crossing of all of the cavemen. We've got basically three cavemen on the fucking field. Um, So we'll probably end up with them involved together in some way as a tag team on the third night. So kind of count them out. That would be definitely be fun. I would love to see like Ugg and Cavernario and um Jungle Boy with um Jungle Boy with surprise partner Luchasaurus on the third night. That'd be really fun. Right. Yeah, I could definitely see something like that. Um there's also three kids. So we could end up with cavemen versus kids. So Ooh, that that would that'd be that fun. could be a that'd trios be match that could be kind of fun. Um <laughs> But uh but yeah, we'll see. I mean Gresham again you talk about I just I don't feel Gresham winning, honestly. Um, maybe if he's wearing a baseball hat, I have decided that baseball hat Gresham is like plus five charisma. Um, he, what about, he, what about lucky what kid, is. lucky, lucky kid, one sixteen carat. Right. Any, 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 anything on lucky kid? I don't know. He, he really feels like a guy who you got to be familiar with for anyone to care about him. And I just think that he's never been to PWG before. So I just don't see the crowd really being that into him. And WXW a, isn't and WXW isn't a trendy promotion right now, so no. So I don't think that people would really are gonna really care about him as much mm. as that. And he's it's not like Ilya. Like when Ilya showed up, 
there was a lot of people who knew who he was, but there was also people in the crowd who didn't know who he was. And then yeah, but instantly... Ilya also Ilya also had like a famous match, right? Lucky doesn't have that. Lucky is just sort of like guy that's pushed in WXW. He doesn't have a match right. like the Walter Ilya Carrot Final that's going to be like, yeah, I don't care who you are, like you got to go watch this. Right. The thing about Lucky too is like, does it kind of feel like Chris Brooks should be here instead of Lucky Kid? Like, yeah. Is that crazy of me to say? Or no, you're, like, no, you're right. I think I think Chris Brooks definitely is probably the bigger name right now. Right. I just I don't understand why they went with Lucky Kid. It's such a weird. It's a weird. It's a weird pick. I guess maybe because he's got the WXW stuff. I think but... I think missing I think missing Thatcher right now like Thatcher just coming back um to prominence lately taking some bookings and all that stuff so a little surprising to not see Thatcher in this lineup that was one right. of the weird omissions for me yeah that is that is an odd one to be missing I, Thatcher I, I also thought um I also thought we'd see um Shikahiro Irie I thought we 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 would maybe see the Stronghearts Stronghearts guys return so right. Thatcher Irie and Stronghearts. Well, area is in strong hearts, but um, those were the those were the ones for me that were left out. That I was like a little a little surprised about. Right, and and I mean, like, who are the? There was the kind of the rumors that AEW guys weren't going to be able to be in PWG, and so we've got a couple here, but none of the real real top top guys, unless you like Lucha Brothers. But Lucha Brothers, I mean, they seem to call their shots pretty much everywhere. So I think that they probably can just do whatever the fuck they want but then meanwhile right. when you talk about other people who are contracted to AEW, you got like janella jungle boy and that's about it right yeah darby um, and darby and darby is presented semi-strong but not necessarily so there is kind of that too to say like maybe there's some some you know strong hearts people missing because of the the, the aew thing maybe it's more legit than we realize um, what level you can be and be allowed to work PWG and other indies still. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty interesting lineup. I'm definitely, once I see what the cards are going to look like, I'll definitely be intrigued. The ticket prices are getting a little bit outrageous, if I'm perfectly honest. But mm. if I can make it work, it's worth it's worth my while for some of the, you know, some of the matches really feel like they're necessary. Um, if, if, if they booked like... Gresham versus Sekimoto. I can't. I can't imagine you skipping it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one where I really want to go see it. Or yeah, I mean, like Sakimoto versus Artemis Spencer could be one that would be really cool. It'd be weird, but it'd be really cool. Maybe Cobb versus Spencer also would be something I'd really want to see. Um, I, I just hope, I just hope they don't go like super obvious. Just because lately I haven't felt. I just haven't felt like Sekimoto does like great work with guys who are as big as him. Right. So like. I just, I just hope they don't go like Jeff Cobb versus Sekimoto or Brody King versus Sekimoto, just because lately Sekimoto's best work has been coming with guys who were, or who are a good deal smaller than him. Right. I think a second round like Black Taurus Sakimoto match could be really fun, but, uh, right. but yeah, I hope that that's not something that's booked as like an opening round, you know, dream matchup situation. All right, I think I think about about covers covers of course. All right. Well, uh... Follow us on Twitter, QNTR. Um, email us questions, ideas, anything weird like that at QNTR at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, that's it. Quentin, do you have anything you want to say before we head out? Uh, no, go say the same thing. Go follow the Twitter account and expect to see us uh, at least a couple of times next week just because we're gonna, we plan on talking SCI and we're going to be 
doing a, a different show to talk about all the other happenings from uh, this upcoming weekend. So to make up for, I guess, the missed time, expect two more shows from us next week. That's about it.